Philippians chapter 3 and verse 11 is our text this morning. Philippians chapter 3. Verse number 11. One verse. The Bible says, If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Let's, let's jump back one verse. We covered verse 10 last time. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Let's pray. Our Father, we ask your blessings on the message this morning. I pray that you would make much of Christ to us this morning. As the word is preached, direct it to hearts. I can't change hearts. I can't manipulate. I'm not that good a speaker. And it wouldn't be right. We want the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Direct these words that I have this morning. Cancel anything I plan to say that I shouldn't say. Bring to mind things I should say that I have not planned to say. Oh, I pray for your Holy Spirit this morning. We need, we need the Holy Spirit. Without him, none of this will do any good. We don't want to waste time. We don't want to beat the air. We don't want to shadow box. There are real enemies to fight. Empower us this morning to go forth from this place to fight another day. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You can be seated. This message is part of our Philippian series, but it's not really based in Philippians. We're going to kind of use that as a jumping off point this morning for the message it's what I'm calling a Philippians adjacent sermon. It's in the neighborhood of Philippians, but it's not going to be kind of a verse by verse thing as we usually do. Last week we were in Philippians 3.10 where Paul expresses his desire to experience the power of Christ. I have that desire this morning. I hope you do too. There's a great many people out there today who call themselves Christians who have no desire to experience the power of Christ. Can you believe that? No desire to experience. And when I say the power of Christ, I don't mean this in a sci-fi. He's not the force of Star Wars, right? That's not what I'm, I'm what I mean is the power to overcome sin. The power and boldness to preach the gospel more clearly. There is real power in Christ. George Mueller, his, his, uh, he was a street preacher. His co-pastor was a street preacher. I think I mentioned before, people used to ask, Brother Craig has so many more people saved than you do. Mueller just said, he prays a great deal more than I do for converts. You know what he's saying? Brother Craig had tapped into the power of God to save souls. Prayer. Prayer is the power of God. It's one source of the power of God, I should say. Do you really, Christian, do you really desire the power of God in your life? If you don't, something's wrong. Something is terribly wrong. And if you do, what steps are you taking? Paul says here, if by any means I might attain 
to the resurrection of the dead. Any means. You know what that means? Any extreme I have to go to to have the power of God, I will have the power of God. That goes back to what Jesus said, right? He said that if your your right eye offends you, pluck it out and cast it away. If your right hand offends you, cut it off and cast it away. Was Jesus saying we should bodily injure ourselves? No, that's not what he's saying, right? He's saying go to any extreme you have to go to to kill sin in your life. Anything you and I have to do, Christian, to have the power of Christ, we ought to be pursuing. That means we need to get rid of some things in our life that may not be sinful and wrong, but distract us from the power of Christ in our life. That distract us from the pursuing of the power of Christ in our lives. Do you desire the power of Christ? I hope you do. Our text Paul says, if by any means I might attain of the resurrection of the dead. The resurrection spoken of here in context is the final resurrection. Why is Paul striving to attain the final resurrection? Does this mean we can earn our salvation? Does this mean that we have to be, you know, faithful in order to keep our salvation? Is that what Paul's saying? No, Paul's not saying that. Paul's not saying that the resurrection of the dead is the reward for a a life of faithful service. That would be earning your salvation. You know what, Brother Tatsuo, you are so faithful. You're going to get the resurrection of the dead. Brother Leo, he he preached four times less than you did, so he's not going to get the resurrection. That's not not what God does, right? That's not how God works. The resurrection at the end of, of time is not a reward for a lifetime of faith. Well, you were, well, it's not what God does. It's not what God does. Our resurrection is a reward of faith, 1 Peter 1, 9. And that faith is a gift, Ephesians 2, 9. Resurrection is not a reward for our service to God or for our own works. So why is Paul striving? And the answer is, the fruit of conversion is continuing in the faith. And Paul strives on for the resurrection of the dead as evidence he's truly born again. Right? Somebody who walks away from the faith, there's no evidence they're born again. No evidence. And you know them and I know them, and we've talked about this before. They're just living life. They don't read the word. They don't walk in holiness. They don't go to church. They're just living life for themselves. And what do they say? Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Paul says, I strive to attain the resurrection of the dead. In other words, we must be faithful. We're not earning the resurrection by our faithfulness. We're demonstrating that our faith is genuine by our faithfulness. But there's a dual application, as I mentioned last time, and that is Paul's desire to experience the power of the resurrection in his life. Remember, the resurrection is not just a one-time event. Right? Jesus rose from the dead here in history, and now it's done. And then over here, our physical bodies will be raised over here. But in this middle section, well, this middle section is just kind of up to us, right? No. The power that raised Christ from the dead here physically is the power that raises us from the dead spiritually. 
and then empowers us to live a spirit-filled life. So that at the end, our body is raised from the dead, and that completes the process of salvation that Christ started back here when he raised our spirit from the dead. There is effect. I want to word this right so you guys don't throw stones at me. There is an effect of Christ's physical resurrection evident in the Christian life today. Does that make sense? It wasn't a one and done thing. It's like Pentecost. Pentecost wasn't one and done. I'm not Pentecostal. But what I'm saying is the power that was poured out of Pentecost is still available today. What happened at Pentecost? They began to preach the word of God. And then a, a couple of days later, they're filled with the Holy Spirit over here. And it says they, they, they spoke the word with boldness. Do you know why people don't share the gospel today? Because they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why. That's why. But the same power that empowered them at Pentecost is available to us today Amen. to empower us. Yes. See, we've got this weird hyper cessationist false teaching in the church that that was just a one and done event and it means nothing to us and we just have to do our best to be faithful. No, church. There is power of Christ that is available to us today that we are not laying hold of in the church today. That's why sin is so rampant and evangelism so scarce. We have no power over sin because we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're not emboldened to witness because we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul wants the power of Christ in his life. He wants nothing less than the power of Christ. He wants the fullness of the power of God. And nowhere is that displayed more than in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Paul says the power that made him come alive again and gave him a, a resurrected body. That's the power I want in my life. Paul says here, by any means, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. I had a, I had a friend one time, a friend, co-worker. I think I've mentioned this before, but it's a good example. Claimed to be a Christian. I don't believe it, but claimed to be a Christian. He came to me for advice and said, uh, I can't stop watching porn. I don't know what to do. I said, well, it's very easy. Get rid of your cell phone. Get rid of your computer. Just get rid of that stuff. Take away the availability of it. And he stood up real kind of angry. He goes, I, I, I shouldn't have to give up my phone and my computer. There's got to be another way. I have a right to those things. I said, not if they're causing you to sin. I told him, I said, do whatever is necessary to overcome sin. That's what Paul's saying here. Whatever I have to give up, I'm going to give up. Whatever I have to turn away from, I have to turn away from. You know, there are things that I don't do that are not sinful things. But if I do them, I will do them all the time. They will distract me, right? There's a lot of things that I do, that I could do. And there's more that I still need to turn away from. There are things that distract me. YouTube distracts me. 
I need to block YouTube. I will spend hours, hours watching sheep laugh on YouTube. I don't know. But YouTube is a good example, right? Things that waste my time. The other day, I watched a video of goats making laughing noises for an hour and a half. And I opened the Bible to read the Bible, and the first thing I opened to was, you have not because you ask not. And I was like, ouch. For an hour and a half, I could have been praying. I said I was watching goats laugh. And the Holy Spirit knew what I was doing. I need to better govern my time. Because there are things that may not be wrong that distract us from better things. You understand, it's not always right and wrong, church. Right? Sometimes it's better and lesser. Better and lesser. Be on guard against that. I want to encourage you, church, this morning. Do whatever is necessary to pursue the fullness of the power of God. Whatever is necessary. I don't care what you have to cut out. If you say, "Ah, that means I can't watch TV, then don't watch TV. If that means I can't do my hobby, then get rid of your hobby. What are we willing to hold on to in our lives to keep us from the power of God? And so we're so defeated. Oh, I just keep going back to these old sins over and over again. You need power in your life. I've wasted so much. Do you know how much time I've wasted, church? I've wasted so much of my life on nothingness. Are we really going to waste our whole life sitting in front of the television set and stand before Christ one day? You know what's going to happen that day when you stand before Christ? You're going to see all the power of God that was available to you in your life. And you're not going to say, oh, I'm so sinful. I was so... You're going to say, I wasted my life. I think Ravenhill said it best when he said, we will no sooner step from time into eternity and will gaze upon the riches of Christ and realize that we came to the judgment of beggar. That's what it is. There is so much power in the Christian life. And when I read biographies, I see it. Do you see it when you read biographies? I mean, Amy Carmichael, George Mueller, Corey Ten Boom, Jim Elliott, Elizabeth Elliott, Ironside. Who, who else? Uh, uh, Founded the Salvation Army. What was his? Uh, William, Booth. William Booth. We read these people and we're stirred because we realize that we're wasting our lives. But the same power available to them is available to us. Yes. They weren't superstar Christians. Yes. By the way, there are no superstar Christians. They weren't superheroes with capes on. They were men and women who made the decision, we want the power of Christ in our lives. And we're going to do whatever it takes to achieve that power in our lives. This morning, I want to give you practical ways to experience the power of Christ in your life. None of this is profound. None of this is new. Every point I give you, I guarantee You've heard before. But one thing I've learned is I've gotten a little bit older in life. So I used to have a pastor that told me that. So I once had a pastor. I had to say it, Jason. I once had a pastor. But he had profound words. 
he used to say, Rick, if I could just learn the things that I know, I'd be okay. See, everyone's seeking for some new knowledge, hidden knowledge of God. If I could just find that new, hidden, that new thing. Everyone's looking for the new thing. Listen, church, it's not a new thing. If you and I could just learn the things that we already know and apply them, our Christian lives would be a lot more powerful than they are today. So I may say that a few times today. If I could just learn what I know, because I know better. I know better than I do. I know how to act. I know how to pray. I know how to seek God. We know how to obey the Lord. We know how to do right. We know how to follow the scriptures. But we don't do it. I think the church today is suffering because Christians don't do the things they know to do. Remember Daniel 5? Belshazzar? What was the great condemnation on Belshazzar? Was it his partying? No. Was it he's using the uh, temple items to party with? No. What was the great condemnation on Belshazzar? Easy. Daniel told him, you know what God did with Nebuchadnezzar, your father. You know the great power of God. You saw him driven from his throne to eat like a wild animal. Then returned to his power again. You know the great power of the God of Israel, and yet you defy him. The great condemnation on the American church today is not our sin. It's that we know better. We've seen the great power of God. We've seen the great awakenings. We've seen the great revivals. We've seen people healed. We've seen people saved. We've seen the demons cast out. We've seen the power of God on display, and yet we're disinterested in it. I just don't feel like reading my Bible. I just don't feel like praying. I'll go to church if I feel like it. I don't feel like it today. We're disinterested in the power of God today. And we know better. We've seen it displayed. I've witnessed it in my own life. The power of God to get a hold of the heart and to change the heart. And then sometimes I'm just bored and disinterested in the things of God. The condemnation written on America today is that we know better. And we do it anyways. You and I, we know better. We know how to seek after God. Why don't we? I'll let that question kind of ponder, stew there for a minute. How do we receive the power of God, church? Let me give you the first thing. We receive it through the word of God. The power of God will never come to a man or woman apart from the word of God. When you separate the power of God from the word of God, you get this crazy charismatic movement we have today, this crazy word of faith. Anything goes, anything goes. Shaking, running around, uncontrolled giggling. Say, what is that? That is an attempt to display power without truth. We reject that. The power of God comes through the Word of God. The Word of God is so powerful. I think we've forgotten that. I think we've forgotten that. I remember I was talking to a pastor one time, and we're talking about 
giving away Bibles. We give away a lot of Bibles in the park on Saturday. What a blessing that was. I don't believe in giving away the Bible. Just give them a tract with a little verse here and there on it. And give them a good gospel presentation. Listen, I'm not against tracts. I'm not against good gospel presentations. The problem is he thought the words that he wrote in the tract were more powerful than the words God had written in the Bible. We have gotten away from the power of the scriptures. The Bible is the power of God to salvation. That's why we've gotten to, you know, we still preach at the park, but sometimes we just get up and read the Bible. You know why? It has power. It has power. It creates faith, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes how? Hearing the word of God. It pierces into our very soul, Hebrews 4.12. Reading our Bibles is so much more than a religious exercise. Stop treating it like a religious exercise. All right, I did my devotion for the day. I'm done. Check it off my list. Listen, reading the Bible is so much more than just checking off a list. Stop reading the Bible. Wow, I did my five verses today. I did my one. I've been saying this for a while. Read the Bible until God speaks to you. That's how you read the Bible. Sit down at the table or sit on your bed or sit. So you say, well, pastor, I have to go to work. Then get up earlier. Get up earlier. Get in prayer and say, God, I'm not leaving this house until you speak to me. I'm going to start reading right here and I'm not going to stop until you have something for me. Otherwise, it's just religious exercise. We're just, we're just reading our passage for the day and we're done. No, we read to hear from God. If we're not hearing from God, we haven't read far enough yet. He has something for us. Let's stop treating it like it's just a, a duty that we have to do. You and I have the chance to hear from Almighty God. We're, we're bored. Where does he, you know, the other day I was reading the Bible, I read seven chapters. Seven chapters of seemingly meaningless Bible reading. And I got to one verse. And that verse came out and it struck me right here. And I said, I got to repent of that. I do that. I do that. I have to repent of that. And I realized, oh, God just spoke to me. And I put, I put the Bible away. And I went to prayer. It's time to pray now. God's spoken to me. It's time. That's how it should be, church. Stop reading the Bible to read the Bible. Read the Bible to hear from God. We so desperately need to hear from God. There's so much fake religion out there. Fake Christianity. Our kids are growing up seeing fake Christian parents. Which made them grow up either be fake Christians themselves or reject the faith altogether. We need to hear from God. And it needs to be evident that we hear from God. Amen. The Bible actually communicates faith to us as we take it in. Do you realize that? You find a Christian weak in their faith. I promise you, you find a Christian weak in their Bible reading. Mm-hmm. They're not hearing from God. Nobody who hears from God is weak in the faith. Because God communicates faith to us through the reading of the word. The Bible communicates confidence. You find somebody constantly doubting their salvation, you find somebody who's not reading the Bible enough. We will not grow in faith 
nor experience the power of God apart from his word, church. We need to be bathed in the word of God. We need to be in there seeking to hear from God. Any great revival or move of God that has happened in history has at its core the supremacy of the word of God. The Reformation was marked by a renewed cry of what say the scriptures? The Great Awakening was a street preaching awakening, revival. They're out in the fields preaching the gospel. The Welsh revival was a revival of preaching as the word of God was declared. And even the, I forget what they call it, the, the Fulton Street revival in New York. The prayer, that was, that was about prayer, wasn't it, Pastor? Yes, and all the rules for their prayer meetings were taken from the Bible. The Bible was their one authority. Go to Amos chapter 8 this morning. Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Amos 8, verse 11. The Bible says, Behold, the days come, say the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. You know, today this prophecy is working in reverse. We have great access to the word of God today, but we're starving to death for lack of it. The prophecy here is God says, I'm, I'm going to take away the word of the Lord. They're going to seek it and not find it. They're going to starve for it and not have it. We have it in abundance today, and we're disinterested in it. We're starving to death. Christians and churches around this area are starving to death, getting fluffed sermons, self-help. Be a better husband, be a better wife, be a better parent. Achieve your dreams. I'm not here to tell you to achieve your dreams. I'm here to tell you to die to self and seek the power of Christ in your life. The Bible is for sale in nearly every store. It's free online. We carry it on our phones. And we look at it any time that we want. And yet somehow we're too busy for it. Sorry, Pastor, I was too busy to read the Bible this week. I, I, I said this, like, I, I think my, I shocked my wife when I said it, but I'm going to say it again. Did you sit on the toilet at all this week? If you sat on the toilet this week, you had time to read the Bible, and you had the Bible with you on your phone. Don't tell me, Pastor, I'm just too busy to read the Word. Did you sit anywhere? Did you wait anywhere? In a waiting room? You had the Bible with you. Were you sitting in traffic? You can play it on your phone, it'll read it right to you. Don't tell me you're too busy for the Word of God. You're disinterested in the word of God. We have an abundance of the word of God and we are starving for it like never before. It's like the Israelites, right? When they walked out of their tents in the morning, there was manna all over the ground. Can you imagine they walked out of their tents, saw the manna and starved to death? That's what we're doing with the Bible today. It's everywhere for free. They'll read it to you on your phone. And we don't listen to it. We don't read it. We don't take it in. I mean Christians. I don't expect the world to do that. I mean you and I. Listen, in 1850, they read the Bible through once a year. We probably should be reading it through twice a year. 
with the access we have to it. Go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Oh boy, Ephesians awesome. 5, 25. If you're too busy for the Bible, Christian, you're too busy for the power of God. Ephesians 5, verse 25, the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And catch the next part, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Paul says that God sanctifies and cleanses the church through the word. You come to me and say, Pastor, I have this sin I just can't, I just can't overcome. My, my, I'm telling you, my first question is going to be, are you reading the Bible? Pastor, I'm not growing in my sanctification. Are you reading the Bible? He sanctifies the church through the word of God. He cleanses us through the word of God. It was through the word of God, reading it, that I saw that sin that I had to confess. I had forgotten about it, honestly. I had forgotten all about it. But the word brought it to mind. I said, oh, I need to repent of that. That's terrible. I can't believe I said that. That's just, that was rotten. I had long forgotten it. God hadn't. He uses the word. Do you want power? You need a clean life. You want a clean life? You will not get it apart from the Word of God. You won't. Read the Word. It's like a scrubber that cleanses our mind of filth. Taking in and meditating on the Scripture instead of the things of this world will affect your actions. You realize, I heard this growing up, and it's really not untrue, but our minds are like computers, right? You put junk in, junk comes out. What happens on a computer? Uh, anyways, I won't go there. No, I will go there. But people don't do this anymore. This is old. I, I, I don't like technology, but what happens in the old days when you took, you know, before you had the internet and the phones on, you took a pornographic disc and you put it in the computer drive. What popped up on your screen? The very thing you put into the computer, right? What you put in popped up on the screen. You put into your life what pops up in your life. If you put in anger, television, I think I mentioned before, I used to have this roommate. Whenever they got mad, they'd go in their room and they'd turn on loud, heavy metal music. You know why? It fed their anger. It fed that feeling. It made them angry and more. What they were putting in affected the outside. If you're meditating all day, on talk shows, or Fox News, or CNN. You know what's going to come out in your life? The garbage those people put out. But if you're meditating on the Word of God, if you're meditating on the Scriptures, if you're thinking about God, then what's going to come out of your life? Probably not curse words. Probably not adultery. Probably not blasphemy. When temptation happens, what's going to happen? 
You have a verse pop in your head. Yeah. And that verse will give you power over that temptation. Hallelujah. But if it's not in there, there's no power. Do you see that? There's no power. You and I will never achieve the power of God in our lives apart from the word. And I really mean taking in the word. Not skimming over it. Not just reading a few verses a day. I mean, if you have to get up three hours early for, for work, then get up three hours early for work. I used to, I, I have this aunt. Almost I used to have to, I still have her, but I have this aunt who used to be really into like beautician stuff. And she wore just, I mean, that much makeup on her face, you know? And her hair was just, it was the 80s, right? So it was, it was out. She spent, I'm not exaggerating, she spent three hours every morning on her hair and makeup before going to work. Don't tell me, Pastor, I can't, I can't get up that early. If she could get up that early, for the vanity of her face, you can get up that early for the power of God. We do the things that we want to do, and we don't do the things we don't want to do. I told Brother, I've been under the influence of A.W. Tozer again this week. I told Brother Tatsuo this morning. Tozer said, we have as much of God as we want. He's available to us. Amen. If we don't have the power of God in our lives, church, it's because we don't want it. You have access to what you want of God. I have access to what I want of God. If I end up a nominal Christian, it's my fault. It's my fault. I mean, really take in the word of God. Read it until it speaks to you. Read it until you weep over it. Weep it until it gives you something to pray about. Be at church. I mean, be present in the church meeting for the preaching of the word. That means coming to question and answer and growing, hearing people's questions or answering, asking your own questions. It means coming to prayer meeting and praying for the power of God. That's my next point. We receive it not only through the word of God, but through the power, or through the power of prayer. Prayer is by far the most underutilized tool that we have available to us today. None of us prays as we ought to, if we're honest about it. Why don't we pray as we ought to? Ask yourself that question. I asked myself the question. You know the answer I got? I didn't like it. I don't pray as I ought to because I don't believe as I ought to. If I truly believed, I would do it. Do you know why I go eat it in and out? You want know, I ask them for a burger? Because they'll give it to me. I know they'll give it to me. I have confidence. I don't hold back. Do I have the confidence with God? I don't. I don't believe as I ought to. I'll be honest with you. When we prayed for those, that new gate out there, I was praying for it. I didn't believe God was going to do it. I'm willing to confess that to you. I didn't really believe God was going to do it. So a couple days later, when that car crashed through the fence and I walked outside, I mean, my first reaction was like, oh, wow, I think he did it. We'll get a new gate. I didn't really believe it. 
When I prayed for the hymn books, I didn't really believe it. And I was hoping, you know, but I was hoping, you know, maybe I know these two pastors in that area who have the blue hymnals. I wanted the red ones, but I can't be really picky with God. And maybe God can use these guys and move their heart to give me their hymnals. Yes. And then he didn't. And then we're at the church getting the pews. Pastor says, I have some hymnals. Could you use them? What are they? Opens the box. The ones I wanted. The red ones that I wanted. That I never asked for because I thought, I thought I knew how God could do it over here. Maybe, perhaps. I didn't believe it. Church, we need to pray like we believe that God can do what we're asking him to do. Let's stop throwing up hope into the air. Like it's pixie dust. Hopefully God will do something. Let's ask God to do something. Ask him to save that loved one. Ask him to provide for your, your money or whatever you need. Ask him this. Ask him that. Because God is faithful. We have to remodel our bathroom in Bakersfield. It's full of mold, thanks to Amy. Not me at all. <laughs> I had to blame my wife. She's sitting there all innocent too much. And the price to remodel was great and wonderful, but I can't afford it. I can't, but we have to do it. It has to be done. I got someone moving in there that won't want, want, want mold in their bathroom. And out of nowhere, just one day, open the mail. Here's a check we didn't expect to get from a lawsuit against my old employer that I didn't know happened. But I was included without my permission that covers most of the, the repairs in our bathroom. And my first thought when I got that was not, praise the Lord, he provided what we needed. My first thought was, what is my problem? I never even asked for this. I should have been asking for this. You know, he probably would have covered the entire amount if I'd asked him to. In other words, he meets our needs. Do we believe that? Do we believe he's going to do something? We need to pray for it. The reason we don't pray is because we don't believe. We don't believe that God will do the things that we're asking. We pray hoping. Oh, I hope. I hope. I hope. Stop hoping and believe. We prayed last week. I prayed all the week before for God to bring two people to church last week. Those two people came to church last week. That's right. That was not separate from our prayers. That was not apart from our prayers. That was through our prayers. Listen, church, God, he's not an ogre sitting in heaven like, uh, what's a good example? I almost said Scrooge McDuck, but they're all far too old to know that reference. What's the guy in the Christmas Carol? Scrooge. We just think he's Scrooge. Well, Scrooge, that's why I say McDuck, Scrooge. We think he's up there just a miser, just all the wealth of the world. But you know what? You're going to have to beg me for it. God's not like that. God's up there with open hands going here, ask for it. Ask for it. 
What did the father tell the son? Ask of me and I'll give you even the heathen for your inheritance. Just ask. Christ has all that we need. Finances. Salvation. Power in the spirit. All for the asking. You know why we're not asking, church? We're not asking because we don't believe he'll do it. Nonsense. Nonsense. We say it's for lack of time. We have more time to pray now than ever before. In the old days, they had all-night prayer meetings. Jesus himself prayed throughout the night. They didn't have electricity in the old days. You realize that most people back then went to bed when light when it got dark because there was just there wasn't much light. There was just candles. We have electricity. Why are we not praying? They had less time in the old days. They worked longer hours, more days of the week. They had to walk or ride an animal or a carriage to get around. Remember George Mueller talking about visiting people in his church. He'd walk two miles to this guy's house, then three miles to this guy's house, then two miles back over here, then three miles back to the... I got a car to zip around town in. I have far more time than he had. And I pray far less than he did. We live in the age of cars. We can travel farther, faster, and yet we complain there's no time for prayer. We have electricity in our homes, and we complain there's no time. We have bathrooms in our homes. They didn't have that back in the old days. We complain we have no time for prayer. If we prayed more, church, God would answer more. We have not because we ask not. James 4.2 if we saw God answer more, our faith would grow. Our holiness would grow. Our dependence upon ourselves would lessen. We know that God doesn't change, does he? Aren't you glad for that? God doesn't change. Can you imagine if God changed? One minute he likes me, one minute he doesn't. God doesn't change. We do. We change. Prayer isn't about changing God's mind. It's about bringing us into the will of God. It changes us. Say, I don't trust God. I don't like what he's doing in my life. Then you pray too little. The more you pray, the more you'll trust God. We will never experience the power of God outside of a dedication to prayer. You notice I didn't say praying, right? I didn't say we'll never experience the power of God outside of praying. A lot of people pray who don't have the power of God. I mean a dedication to prayer. We need to give ourselves to prayer, not just pray. I mean, we need to be a praying people. Let me challenge you with this question. Do you spend more time praying and reading your Bible collectively each week than you do on any other thing besides sleeping? If you don't, then you need to pray more. You have opportunity to pray. Well, I watch TV far, far more hours than I pray. Then you turn it off and pray more. That's right. 
Well, I have this hobby. I spend, I spend time in my garden. I spend so much time in my garden every week. You need to get out of your garden and get into the prayer closet. I think it was John Piper who said something along the lines. I didn't get a direct quote, but Facebook and Twitter will stand as witnesses of the judgment that our lack of praying was not for lack of time. We have time, church. We have time like no believers ever in the history of the world. Our meals come faster. You can pop in the microwave, have it in minutes. What used to take them hours to make. Our travel is faster. Our work hours are fewer. Our days are longer thanks to electricity in the home. Why are we not praying? And you say, Pastor, why am I not experiencing the power of God in my life? Because you're not praying. You're not in the word. Greater access to the Bible today than any other time in history. It's our fault, church. We need to get right. We need to change how we do things. Most churches don't have a weekly prayer meeting anymore. In fact, most, most churches pray very little, actually. Very few have a monthly or a quarterly prayer meeting. Almost no churches have regular all-night prayer meetings. Those who do have corporate prayer meetings, but they're very scarcely attended. I went to church one time as a visitor. They had morning prayer, and there were six people in the auditorium. Six people. Church ran over 300. Six people came to pray in the morning. And that church wonders why they don't experience the power of God. We don't pray. Leonard Ravenhill said, Do you have a weekly prayer meeting in the church? Your answer reflects how spiritual you are and how much you are depending upon God or human ability and organization. The first thing the early church did was pray. It, was the la- it is the last thing the modern church does today. The early church saw mighty things in, prayer, in answer to prayer, we see little today because of the, neglected, the neglect of prayer. Prayer was their first choice. Today it is our last resort. Before the church did anything else, they prayed. We do everything else but pray. The New Testament saint had divine endowment with, without any equipment. Today we have the equipment but not the endowment. We are weak in prayer, then we are weak everywhere. He says the Sunday morning service shows how popular your church is. The evening service shows how popular your pastor is. Your prayer meeting shows how popular God is. There's a lot of truth to that. After Jesus ascended to heaven, the disciples spent 10 days waiting upon God in prayer. Acts 1.15. When the Spirit came at Pentecost, they were all together, and no doubt they were praying. Acts 2.1. After the power came in Acts 2.42, they continued in prayers. When the lame man was healed in Acts 7, 3 through 8, Peter and John were on their way to the temple to pray. It was the hour of prayer, the Bible says, which occurred three times a day. Uh, I believe it was 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and 3 o'clock for the Jews. This demonstrates that they set aside specific times of the day to pray. Say, Pastor, you saying we should follow the Jewish prayer calendar? No, not at all. But if they prayed, if these disciples of Jesus prayed three times a day, why are we content to just pray once a day. So that's the problem with devotions, right? Oh, we do our devotion time. We prayed, 
and we read our Bible and we checked it off our list. So now we'll pray before a meal. That's about it. Why don't we pray more often? You know why Jim Elliot had the power of God in his life? Because he set aside times to pray. He prayed. So he, he, he read the Old Testament and prayed in the morning. And then he set aside time at noon to read the Psalms and to pray. And then in the evening, he read the New Testament and prayed. Three times a day. Why are we treating prayer like something we just check off our list? Mm-hmm. I'm done. It's over. We will not find the power of God that way. We will not find it. We have corporate prayer meetings 10 times a month here at this church. How many do you attend? Four of those are on Wednesday nights. So if you happen to come to church, you'll trip and fall into a prayer meeting by accident. We have six you have to come to on purpose to pray. How many do you attend? Say, Pastor, I can pray at home. Well, so could the apostles. But when they got together, the place was shaken by the power of God. Listen, there is something powerful about Christians in the same room praying together. You'll never convince me otherwise. Peter was freed by the angel when they were praying in the house together. The place was shaken when they prayed together. Pentecost came when they prayed together. There is a power to prayer corporately that does not, I believe, does not exist in the prayer closet. We can all pray, and there's power there in the prayer closet. But there is a special endowment of power when the church comes together and prays together. I believe that. I'm telling you, church, if you're going to have the power of God, it will not come apart from the word and prayer. You've got to hear from God, and you have to talk to God. Or you will not receive the power of God. We're kidding ourselves. If we think we can just sit at home and watch what's popular on TV. My wife, she's more of a sinner than I am. What's big today? The Andy Griffith Show, anyways. If you think you can just sit at home and watch TV all week and just show up at church three times a week and you'll get the power of God in your life, you're lying to yourself. You're deceiving yourself. If you think, I can go all week and just just not pray and have the power of God, you're deceived. We have got to set aside time in our lives not to pray, not to read the Bible. I know a lot of fake Christians do those things. We need to set aside time in our day to truly and wholly seek after God. Say, Pastor, I don't have that time. Then make it. Or you don't want the power of God. We have time for the things that we want. If that means you need to set aside every hobby, every entertainment, every extra thing that you do, even if it's not sinful, then set it aside and seek the power of God. Get into the word of God and say, I'm not leaving here until you speak to me. Then get into prayer and take what he said to prayer. And often you're going to find yourself confessing and forsaking sins and cleansing your life and scrubbing yourself and sanctifying yourself. And what's going to happen, church, I promise, what's going to happen is you're going to get more of the fullness of the power of God than you've ever had before. Me too. Hallelujah. 
I have two more points. We don't have time for them, so we'll do them next week. Come back next week to see how to get the power of God in your life. I wasted the whole time on two points. I got two more. But you know what? If you take nothing away today, let me challenge you. Let me challenge you this week. When you sit down to read the Bible, don't get up until God speaks to you. Don't do it. Stop treating it like a hobby or religious exercise. It's not a rosary. We're not just running through the beads one by one until we get through the whole, okay, now I've done my thing. We come to the Bible to hear from God. And if we're not hearing from God, we're wasting our time. Pray, church. Pray like you believe that God can do what you're asking. Because he can. He's God. He raised Jesus from the dead. And Paul says, if by any means I can attain that power, well, who, who has that power? God has that power. If God can raise Jesus from the dead, if he can raise me from spiritual deadness, then there's nothing he can't give me. Nothing he can't provide for me. I mean, when Elijah was without food, he brought it by the mouth of a bird and dropped it in his lap. When the Israelites were in the, were in the wilderness, he, they got in the morning and bread was just on the ground everywhere. There is nothing God can't do if we're seeking him. Church, we've got to seek the power of God. Because I am not content with regular old nominal Christianity. Just three squares a week. Just three church services I'm done. Because I'm going to stand before Christ one day. And I don't want to waste what I have. Our life is like a vapor. It appears for a little time and vanishes away. And before I know it, my vapor is going to be gone. And I'll be in a box in the ground and I'll stand before Christ having wasted what he gave me. Or having experienced the power of Christ in my life. I want that one. We'll finish this next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you use what we has been said thus far in the message, Lord. I know there's more to come, but Lord, we need your power this morning. I'm so convinced that we don't have the power of God that is available to us. We're wasting our lives. We've turned Christianity into a, a subculture, a fad, a trend, a, a marketplace, but we're, 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 we're absent the power of God. And so we pretend to have the power of God. I'm done pretending. Give me Christ or give me death. If they can say it for liberty, we can say it for the power of God. I want the power of God or I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to just waste 40, 50, 60, 70 years without experiencing the power of God. Oh, God. Drive us to your word and drive us to our knees. Show to us as individuals gathered here as the, this little church in Lomita, show to us the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That we may win the battle against our sins, walk in victory, and take the gospel to others that they too might live. Bless all that's been done here today and the offering to come. In Jesus' name, amen.